0: Good morning, Four Oaks Church. It's Friday, April 1st. So we all know what that means. Actually, I don't know what it means. I'm not superstitious. I believe in the providence of God. So no tomfoolery here, no jokes, um, no pretending um, to trick you, but um, I'll leave that up to you guys. But it is April 1st, and we are here at the end of the week on Friday, and we're um, spending... Um, some time in the book of Romans. And so we're in Romans 8, this coming Sunday, we're in Romans 8, 26 through 30. Um, So we're retracing some of our steps from the past couple of uh, sermons in Romans. And the passage I wanna hone in on today is the one where Paul is talking about this idea of groaning, okay? Now, what is the difference in groaning and complaining? Well, complaining tends to be oriented To ourselves. So you've heard the phrase, um, we're experiencing first world problems. Complaints are agitations. You know, our, our high speed internet doesn't download fast enough, or we're in a traffic jam and we're a hurry to get somewhere or we're inconvenienced in some way. And so we whine, we complain and typically whining, complaining are oriented towards us, our own needs, our own selfishness oftentimes. But groaning, biblically speaking, is not oriented to us. Primarily, it's oriented to God. And Paul is talking about two kinds of groanings here. Um, And let's read this passage and so be reminded what those two kinds of groanings are. So verse 18, chapter 8. For I consider that the sufferings of this present life are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. And so there's, there's, a, there's a groaning that happens in terms of God's created order, right? And we've mentioned this before, where we look at disease and sickness and illness or natural disasters or famines or other things where the world is corrupted, the world is broken, and we are groaning, we're crying out to God, right, Lord, to make this right. Lord, um, let these wars cease, Lord, let these natural disasters stop. Um, Lord, um, may, may you cure disease. These, these are all parts of the ways that creation groans, and we groan along with it by calling out to God to make things right. This is not the way they're supposed to be. Well, there's a second way that we groan. Let's look, let's look in the passage here. Um, it says, verse 23, and not only the creation... But we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. So there, there's a groaning that we do in relationship to creation, but there's a groaning, right, that we do relationship to our lives personally. So this we might groan over our physical condition, right? That we're outwardly we're wasting away, that 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 our bodies are going from a state of Order to disorder, from repair to disrepair, um, that that from order to chaos, that 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 we're aging, all right, and we and we groan about that because that's not the way we were we were created. We were created to live forever, but sin into the world, etc. We might groan about relationships. We might groan about the condition of our own hearts or the hearts of other people. Um, and, and again, this is not a selfish groaning. It's a groaning that calls out to God to make things right, to bring healing, to bring restoration, to bring, um, repentance. But one of the things that Paul says that we do groan about, um, look back at verse 23 is he says that we groan about the redemption of our bodies. Now we don't have a, a much time here to do a full theology of the doctrine of embodiment, okay? But but essentially, what, what we affirm as believers is that we are not going to live forever in heaven in a disembodied state, that we, in fact, are going to have resurrected bodies, that if we were to die right now, those who go to be with the Lord, it's their spirit who goes to be with the Lord, okay? So the Jesus tells the thief on the cross today, I will see you in paradise, right? Um but we will be in a disembodied state temporarily until Jesus returns and he sets up his rule and his reign and we are reunited with our resurrected bodies, all right? Paul talks all about this in 1 Corinthians 15 and don't have time to go into it, except to be reminded that these bodies will be kind of like our old bodies, but much, much different. In other words, we we will probably be able to recognize each other, but we will be new. We will be made whole. We will be without disease. We will we will have we will be in a resurrected state where disease, sin, suffering can never impact us again. Of course, this is possible because Jesus died, um, in his earthly body, was raised to life, and now inhabits his resurrected body. Right. So so this is what we mean this is what Paul is praying for when he talks about the redemption of our bodies. We are going to live forever with a resurrected body that will be, in a sense, more human than we currently are. Now, here's a question for us just to, to, to nibble on over the course of the weekend. Where will we reside as these embodied souls in our resurrected body? Now, now, one way to might th- be think about it, say, "Well, well, Pastor Paul, that's easy. That's heaven. That's somewhere in the sky. That's where the clouds are, the harps are, the angels are. We'll just sort of be in these kind of ethereal states." But that doesn't seem to be the way that Scripture speaks about where we will reside. There is a sense in which, when we are resurrected with our new bodies, we will be once again re-inhabiting Eden, right? So, so God put Adam and Eve on earth as embodied souls to live in a perfect world paradise that was corrupted by sin. And so this is what I think um, John is referencing in Revelation 21 when he says that the new heavens and the new earth will come down to meet the old earth and will subsume them, will take their place. For the old heavens, the old earth will be done away with. The new heavens and the new earth will be together and... God will be with his people dwelling with them, which which I think means something, again, that, that when heaven and earth come together, that is a place, that is a state of being, that is where resurrected bodies and souls will be living together with God um, in a new creation and a new earth. And what will this new earth be like? We're not entirely sure, right? Uh, but it will probably be like our resurrected bodies will recognize it, but it will be different, okay? It will be better. And I think the way C.S. Lewis captures this in his book, The Last Battle, is really, really good. And I want you to to, to hear how, this description of how when the Narnians are coming in from old Narnia to new Narnia, all right? And it's meant to picture this idea of going from, from Earth to heaven, um, only to realize that heaven is actually right here. But it's... Heaven is actually the inhabitation of God. Heaven is wherever God resides. And so God is going to reside with us on this new earth. And so heaven and earth come together. But listen to how Lewis describes this. I think this is so good. It is hard to explain how this sunlit land was different from the old Narnia as it would be to tell you how the fruits of that country taste. Perhaps you will get some idea of it if you think like this. You may have been in a room in which there was a window that looked out on a lovely bay of the sea or a green valley that wound away among mountains. And in the wall of that room opposite to the window, there may have been a looking glass. And as you turned away from the window, you suddenly caught sight of that sea or that valley all over again in the looking glass. And the sea in the mirror or the valley in the mirror were in one sense just the same as the real ones. Yet at the same time, they were somehow different, deeper, deeper more wonderful, more like places in a story, in a story you have never heard but very much want to know. The difference between the old Narnia and the new Narnia was like that. The new one was a deeper country. Every rock and flower and blade of grass looked as if it meant more. I can't describe it any better than that. If you ever get there, you will know what I mean. It was the unicorn who summed up what everyone was feeling. He stamped his right four hoof on the ground and innate and then he cried I have come home at last this is my real country I belong here this is the land I've been looking for all my life though I never knew it till now the reason why we love the old narnia is that it sometimes looked a little like this come further up come further in we don't know what that time and place will be when the new heavens and the new earth come together it will be recognizable I think in some sense it will be. Um, it will remind us of this place, but it will be so much better. It will not be the Shadowlands. It will be the, the truer sense of place, just as we will be our truer sense of self than we ever were before. And I think when Paul, Paul is drawing on a lot of this energy, when he, uh, a lot of this imagery, when he talks about the groaning that creation does, the groaning that we do, we are really calling out to God him to make all things new, both the world and for us, and to bring those things together. And that is a biblical groaning. That is a biblical calling out to God, and it's something that Paul um, directs us and pushes us towards. Okay, that's it for the week. We have gone through the first week back here in Romans. We'll be back here Monday morning talking about what is undoubtedly um, of the most famous book of the most famous chapter of the most famous passage of the most famous verse of the Bible uh, that we're going to look at this Sunday, but we'll save that till then. See you on Monday, Lord go before us. Now you've implanted the sense of eternity into our hearts and our minds. And we ask now, Lord, that you would give us that sense of belonging to you that we would long for, for another world. We would long for the resurrected state. We would place our hope and our trust and our faith in you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks, everybody. Have a great weekend.